I am with Anson Veenstra. Anson is the uh, pastor down there. Well, down there from me, maybe up there or left <laughs> from there. Right, this is a. Uh, We're right here. Yeah, right, We're right there. Right Look here at in him. the center of my is. universe. Racine, CRC. Uh, Anson, uh, you've been a busy guy lately, so catch us up a little bit uh, about what you've been up to. Yeah. Um, as a, uh, a pastor, I like to hang out with all ages of people, young and old. And uh, so in addition to my role here as a pastor, have also just uh, enjoyed going with the youth group to Fort Wilderness in the beginning of January. And then uh, a week and a half later, uh, went to California to be with uh, pastors in the third third of their ministry career, talking about what it's like to be in this season of our life. And uh, so that was good. Spend a, a good uh, four days uh, out in California with pastors. And um, then got to come back here and uh, just dive into the local context, which is uh, beautiful and where I thrive. So, what? So, you jump from uh, youth ministry to. Yep. Pastors in the third third. Uh, I won't call you old. We'll say third third. I'm I'm starting to lean into that. I, I what? Like... So so two questions. What continuity is there between youth ministry at Fort Wilderness and pastors in their third third? So a theme that has been emerging for me is that the the cultural context. Uh, has shifted. And uh, whether you're talking with young people, the their cultural context is is shifted. Uh, and and later pastors, it's we're realizing that uh, the way that we have done ministry uh, has shifted and we're trying to catch up with those changes that are taking place in the cultural context. So, it's a it's a different world out there than what I stepped into uh, thirty years ago, and uh, yeah, so God is at work. The fl- the flip side of that question, then, so the 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 shifting context is uh, a shared theme. There, what is what is different about spending time with the youth ministry and spending time with pastors in their third third? That is a great question. Um, so I can answer that two ways. One is there's not a lot of difference. Um, you know, we are all on a journey in life and just at different points in our journeys with different experiences. Um, so that commonality is the same, whether you're working with uh, walking with younger uh, generation or older, it's it's we are all part of a journey. Um, what is um, that's the similarities, and then I could also answer that that there there's a lot of difference. Um, the 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 landscape has changed for all of us, and how we deal with it is different. Um, and yeah, I'm not you know, super great at articulating what I sense, you know, but how I experience it is 
Um, if for years we have been walking, you know, if, if the job of youth ministry, for example, is to walk with young people in, uh, in their stage and season of life, how do we walk with families to help us to become uh, better uh, at, at raising kids who uh, engage in the Christian gospel message? Then I feel like it has shifted a lot. Uh, and, and I think for me personally, COVID has brought this to life more and more where I feel like for years we were very comfortable as long as we maintain some sort of a, a membership um, balance, we were okay to just let things ride. But what COVID did uh, in a very practical way is that it, it suddenly made us realize that if we can't gather together like we used to, uh, then then how how can we now address a culture whose context has changed? Mm -hmm. Very practically, um, and, and I'm seeing COVID as being a very positive thing uh, in this light that we had not even considered live streaming as an option. We did that only because um only because we had to um we had to give for seven weeks early on in the process we had to uh, continue to present the word i was preaching to an empty auditorium and we just said we're going to do this until we have opportunity to come back together again, which we thought would be in two weeks, and then four weeks, and seven weeks, and then uh, then suddenly we realized that a lot of the people who uh, were attending regularly, uh, young families especially, were no longer saying, you know, now they weren't coming back. Mm -hmm. And so now we had to address that. So do we force the issue? Do we discontinue live streaming? Um, and so we, we had those conversations and, and it was very uh, interesting. A lot of prayer went into it, a lot of concern. And, and two things, uh, just a, a month ago, we welcomed a new member who said, my connection with your church was through live stream. I was looking for a church um, somebody suggested uh, the Christian Reformed Church. Uh, I checked out Kenosha, and lo and behold, it was closed. And so we saw that you guys were live streaming. So we watched you for a number of weeks and then decided to, to come, which was very interesting to me because now suddenly we realize that maybe part of our visioning for the future has to be like, okay, how do we do technology yeah. better? Yeah. So that's just a kind of a, an interesting kind of a dynamic. Um, I don't know if that exactly answers your question, but that's, that's how we wrestle with the changing context. Yeah. That, well, know. we hadn't planned to talk about live streaming and, and technology in the church, but I've been having a lot of conversations along the same lines. So if we can stay here for a couple of minutes. Uh, yeah. Just help me think through some of the questions we've been we've been asking here. Uh, 
when live streaming enables uh, people to stop gathering bodily together, do I have an obligation as a pastor of this congregation, uh, or uh, more, even more than that, the guy in charge of tech, do I have an obligation to shut that live stream down? Am I, am I enabling this really dangerous uh, trend of, of loosely gathering with the, the body? And how do I weigh that behavior against the old ladies that I visit? And every time, every old lady I visit says how nice the live stream is, how clear they can see and hear, and they love more than being able to see it on Channel 14 in Oostburg the next day. They love being able to see it as it's happening. Okay, so the old lady who can't get there, wonderful. You mentioned... Uh, uh, missionally, right? Your your church, by by hitting a button, adds a missional dimension to the worship. Yeah, that's really cool too. How do I weight that against this 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 scary behavior of? Well, I don't really need to be there that often anymore because mm-hmm. uh, I hit play at home. I, I don't have a specific answer. How I wrestle for uh, with it. Uh, is this, there is a good and bad. I can't speak prophetically. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah. Um, I I do feel like the gathered community um, is key. You have to have face-to-face conversations with people. Um, Technology is a a tool that we have to understand um, just like any um, you know, technology that, that comes our way that we have to understand and then figure out how can we leverage what's good about it and, and be aware of and, and eliminate what's bad. And so um, we too have experienced that many members who, who long to be gathering with us but can't because of age and circumstances um, have said how nice it is yeah. to have this regular diet of people that they associate with and love. On the flip side of that, there are people who now have gotten into the habit of not coming. And and so they're gone. And so how do we pastor them? And I think what we've learned is, is the tone in which we come. We don't go to them and say, why aren't you coming? You're being unfaithful. The tone is more like, okay, where are you at? What's God doing in your life? And, and how can we walk with you even better? Um, and and that's, that's sort of the route. I don't have the final answer yeah. to this, but I, I find that it's made us a little bit more aware, you know, from a reform perspective, God is sovereign. You know, uh, there are things happening in the culture. He he's not surprised by any of it. And in fact, he's he's now helping us to to change our tone a little bit more. Um, Just generally be a little less pharisaical Mm -hmm. and a little bit more incarnational walking with people. 
And, and uh, that, that has been helpful. That's why I say that uh, COVID has been good for us. It's not easy. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing easy about what's happening in our cultural context. Um, we still have to wonder, you know, a lot of the membership on our role is different than the actuality. We're having to really think about what Sunday school look like when when there's no consistent attendance, mm. when some weeks, oh, we suddenly have everybody coming and then other weeks, m- most weeks, the ones that could be there aren't there. Mm. So how do we, you know, uh, minister in that context? And we're still trying to figure out yeah. the answer. Yeah. But, one one thing that I think was really good for me, and I, I hope for our church that that COVID did, was it made me realize uh, the ways in which I wasn't uh, functioning as a church. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you realize how much the care committee's doing when the only people who were getting together was... I mean, the care committee was doing all of the the pastoral care and was like, okay, I need to do a lot better job here because, Mm -hmm. because in my mind, like the worship service was church. And I, I knew that was wrong, but that's how I was functioning, right? All of my effort is into this hour in the morning and hour in the evening that we have together, and that's where people are discipled, and that's where the power is, and that's where the fellowship is. And so COVID kind of ha- was a healthy step back to say, okay, but the care committee's performing a really important function of what it means to be church, and yeah. I need to put more effort there. That's really important. But then, I, like, really quickly, that swung too far the other way. Where now, I think the attitude is, uh, you, know, you know, before it was the worship service is the thing. That's church. And now it's like, well, the worship service, we learned, is not very important. And so how do you, how do you get that back to a healthy place? Like, we went from one extreme to another. and we, yeah. Yeah, I think you articulated that very well, Zach, uh, because uh, I don't know what your care committee is. That's a, a new concept. I, I, you know, how do we, how do we uh, continue to care for each other and walk with each other? Yeah. Um, um, but how do we then, it still is important to gather. I, I, I don't think, I, I don't know. That's that's a I, I wrestle with that because there are also a lot of satellite churches that you know are leveraging technology and going into areas, planting churches here and there from remote locations, and so the reach is is broader, but is the substance deeper? They they have to address that that end of the. Uh, the spectrum. How do we continue to care? How do you continue? Somebody has just is going through a very difficult time as a family. Who walks with them? Yeah. You know, and and that's a question we always have, but it's now complicated and magnified by technology and our uh, dependence on that. So yeah, it's a good wrestling with that, uh, but no no easy answer, but. Well, when you figure it out, send me an email. Yeah, I will. I'll write a book, and and then, then from the proceeds of that, we'll just uh, yeah. 
We, we had planned on talking a little bit about your sermon series, and I don't know how much time we have left before my free version of Zoom will boot us off, but can you share a little bit about the, the preaching happening at Racine right now? Yeah, starting in January, uh, I've started a series on the the greatest selling Christian book next to the Bible, um, Paul Bunyan. <laughs> Paul Bunyan. I, I do that a couple of times. I grew up in Iowa and we, Minnesota. Paul Bunyan was big, but John Bunyan um, wrote a book called Pilgrim's Progress, which is an allegory of the Christian life that recently, just before COVID, um, I re-engaged in that book and and realized what a great metaphor that was for the Christian life. God's call on us to leave the city of destruction and travel uh, to the the celestial city, you know, which is the the pilgrimage of all Christians. Mm -hmm. And what struck me is that along the way, uh, the constant attacks uh, of Satan, who is opposed to anything that that Christ stands for and anybody that's associated with him. So um, I saw this recently as, as such a good uh, analogy of our life, as we're called to leave, you know, be in this world, but not of it. Uh, what does that look like in, in real time? We travel through uh, hard times where we wrestle with why, you know, what do I do with this burden of shame and guilt that I have, you know, take it to the hill of salvation, you know, and then, well, what does that mean? Because the life doesn't get easier. No, in fact, it gets harder in many sense, because now we struggle with the battles with Apollyon, which uh, are part of our feast all along the way. We encounter people in our life that say, you know, this is meaningless. Come back. You know, why, why do you, why do you uh, continue to press on, you know? Um, and, and so I've just found that to be just a wonderful metaphor of, uh, of our journey through life. And uh, so we're doing a, uh, an eight session uh, series on that, that should take us to the end of uh, February. And and the, the reviews so far have been good. We've encouraged the congregation to read the book, many of them for the first time. We've had available resources for them to engage in it. And uh, yeah, we'll see. It's uh, It's been very good for us. Uh, maybe fits with this whole journey that we're on in life, you know, yeah. and uh, what does it mean to be a Christian in our context? I don't have too much to offer because I've never read Pilgrim's Progress. We did just mention John Bunyan in my church history class uh, and mentioned the book just in passing. Um, but if you had to enlighten, um, you know, uh, a guy like me who's not familiar with, with Pilgrim's Progress, what, what, um, what theology or what aspects of Scripture would it, would it really... Um, help bring to life for me? I don't want to say it adds to Scripture or anything like that, but but what would it help no. me understand, do you think? Well, um, just the just the battle that we face in life, you know, what is, what is God's purpose for putting us here on this earth? Um, what is our calling? Um, why do we have to uh, uh, attend to suffering? Why, why is there hardships in our life? Uh, and, and, how do we find strength and encouragement along the way there? It's an allegory. Uh, yeah. John just wrote this from the perspective in the 1600s of one who was imprisoned 
because he continued to proclaim the word of God uh, in a context where you you have to be part of the state church and, and a defined way of uh, proclaiming the gospel. And uh, so it, it's helpful, I think, even though it's coming from a, a different century, a different time, there, there are, um, as an allegory, it, it just helps us to, to say, what does it mean to be a Christian in our context? And how do we find encouragement along the way? What does God provide for us? So it's been good. Yeah. I'm getting a little message on my screen here that's yelling at me about our time. So we've okay. Got, we've got 10 minutes to talk. Uh, I always put the links to pe- churches' live streams uh, uh, conveniently. We had that conversation at the beginning here. So if you want to listen to Pastor Anson articulate that that allegory a little bit, um, you can in the links below. But how can we be praying for you or Racine CRC? Yeah, I think we're um, at an exciting juncture in our life. So pray specifically, uh, we're talking about our vision and mission, what does God want us to be? Uh, We're going to be having a a conversation at our next uh, council meeting uh, with Elaine May of Thriving Essentials. And and she is going to to talk about the why, uh, why churches need to have a vision. What does it mean to be a disciple in this context uh, to fulfill the Great Commission? And so that's a key uh, conversation and an item for prayer. because we are definitely trying to say God is doing some things in our culture. We've lost members, but we've also gained members. So there's kind of a new excitement that uh, is is part of our experience right now at Racine. And so what does that mean for us? I, I think these next couple of months are, are key. Yeah. Every congregation can say that, but sure. uh, but we're, we're feeling that. So appreciate prayers. Uh, specifically for our leadership and and for the members that are coming that we can uh, understand our uh, unique and distinct calling here as a church. And uh, that's exciting. Uh, it comes with challenges too. So pray that we may be faithful yeah. and uh, to, to God's call in our life. And uh, so ec- exciting times, uh, key times, uh, and appreciate the uh, prayers. Thanks, Anson. Yes.